This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Youth Baseball Talk. Only on lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, Jim Cromer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Youth Baseball Talk, brought to you by The Rope Trainer. Make sure you check out theropetrainer.com and see what's going on with our friends Earl Perrin, John Smoltz, Chris Verna. As John Smoltz always says, everyone should have one from big leaguers to little leaguers. So make sure you check out theropetrainer.com today. Uh, great product. Get more and more uh, feedback from people that are using it, uh, listening to the Rope Report, which is now a, a staple here at Youth Baseball Talk from Kurt McNabb each and every week uh, from Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Uh, guys are finding ways to incorporate it, whether it be in rehab, training, just every day getting loose and saving those bullets for the arm. It, a lot of guys saying it's making a difference out there. Their kids have never felt fresher. Their kids have never felt better. Just, you know, anything that works, that has scientific data behind it that says not only does it work, but here's why it works and it's safe, I'm on board with. So, again, can't do the show without the support of guys like these people, Earl Parent, John Smoltz, Chris Verna, all the gang over at theropetrainer.com. Um Good show last week. Got a lot of good feedback. Mm-hmm. C.J. Beatty uh, is is just a good guy that wants to be involved in the game of baseball and make a difference in, you know, kids' lives, of course. But, you know, he's impacting families and parents and coaches and just trying to help everybody find a way to uh, to get this thing and get it right. So, uh, again, I think I had said it last week. and I think I said it like eight times, and it's the truth. We need more C.J. Beatty's. We need more Benji Molina's. We need more guys out there that are willing to stand up and say, take a look at what's going on. Uh, another guy we need more of around here in this world is my co-host, who I like to welcome in when he's here. And once again, he's here. This is a great thing. Is Spiker Helms from Tourney Guy, the Rawlings Tigers, all that good stuff. What's going on, pal? It's, it's, it's going. You're being too kind to me right now. Well, hey, I'm just happy to have somebody. <laughs> two weeks in a row with you being here. I don't know I don't know what to do with myself. It's a but, streak. Uh, we can call it a streak. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited about today's show. Uh, you know, listen, I, you know, when you and I agreed to do this, um, you are knee-deep still in the game of baseball, and, mm-hmm. and it's a labor of love for you, of course. But, um, you know, I knew there'd be times, and, and I know how it works now, especially with the week-long things that go on. Um, so I knew there'd be times where I, w- I would miss you. But, um, you know, one of the reasons sometimes you're not here is, is you guys are a very large and successful organization, and rightfully so because you guys do it the right way, no doubt about it. Um, one of the things, though, that I find really interesting is that um, one of the reasons why, you know, you can't be here is, is tryouts. And, you know, we did a, we talked a lot about tryouts and things like that um, quite a few months ago when we were embarking on that other season called high school baseball or mm-hmm. school ball, um, which is different. And yeah. that's the thing. You know, uh, we talked about it. I think we're going to find that some things are the same, but other things are different. So uh, I thought it'd be a good time because, again, it's funny, um, you know, you and I have been in, in studio prepping now for 30 minutes and your phone has not stopped buzzing. And I finally looked over at you and I said, you know, what is going on? And you just looked at me and said one word, tryouts, you know? (laughs) So, um, you know, it's a, it it can be, you know, if you've ever been through it, I don't care what capacity coach having the tryouts, coach helping with tryouts, parent 
whose kid is on a team already and, and is safe, so to speak, or parent of a kid trying out uh, uh, any capacity you're in in this. This is a stressful time. And we're going to try to do our best a little bit today to relieve some of that stress, although I don't know. I think by the nature of the beast, I don't know that we'll ever get rid of it completely. But I thought it would be a neat idea today because I'm going to tell you guys this. And again, he's going to say I'm being too kind. This guy sitting to my right is, is just an example of how it should be done. Now, does that mean he's always right? Does that mean he's perfect? No, it does not. But that's the thing we're going to try to help you. Nobody is. If you go in expecting perfection and you go in expecting for things to always be perfect in your world and all this kind of stuff, you're, you're setting yourself up because we live in a world that is imperfect. It only stands the reason that we're going to have things that pop up. It's how those things are handled. It's what you learn from them, and it's how you move forward. That makes you who you are, makes you quality, makes you not quality. Well, I'm here to tell you this guy's quality. So being that I'm you know, very familiar with this process and being that I know he does a great job. I have some questions for my co-host today that I have not shared with him as we try to bring you an episode really just tied around the, the travel ball, select ball, summer ball. Again, I'm going to try to cover all the terms that may be used out there for, you know, there are different parts of the country. They call it something different, but basically this is the team that you try out for and make. That's not school because school ball is going to be completely different folks. It just is. Because there's other things associated with travel and select ball that you just don't have to worry about with, 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 with high school or school sports. So I want to do that today in an effort to just share a little bit of information with you guys, with somebody that I completely trust his answers. So before we do that, though, I want to remind everybody to make sure you check us out at youthbaseballtalk.com. That is our website. It's also the easiest way to subscribe to the show. As you, uh, as you may know, uh, you can get a notification that is absolutely free each time we put out an episode. So simply click subscribe to the podcast when you get to the website. It'll walk you through it. It's absolutely free and easy to do. The other thing you can do through our website is listen to some back episodes. If you were to take the time to scroll all the way down and check out some of the back ones and hit the arrow, and, and, and as we've, you know, we're closing in on over 100 episodes here, you'll find that there's pages and pages and pages of old uh, shows. The content on those shows is fantastic, not because of me and when I was alone or when Spiker joined us. It's the guys we have on. I mean, we have some of the best influencers in the country when it came to the, comes to the game of baseball. You don't always have to agree with what they say, but if I was you, I would listen to it. That is the other great thing about our website, youthbaseballtalk.com. Of course, social media is a big part in the growth of our show. Please follow us uh, at Podcast Baseball on Twitter. Simply go to Facebook and type in Youth Baseball Talk. Our ask of you is to... You know, like our page, follow us on Twitter. If you see our stuff, especially when we do the show, like send out the link to the show, our ask is that you share that in an effort to reach all the great people involved in the game of youth baseball. Lineupmedia.fm is the fastest growing podcast company on the planet. We're very proud to be a part of their lineup, and you know they allow us to use these great facilities. Um, we have a great producer in Brian Crock that really does a great job. You know, we've got these these segments that we do. You, I mean, if you know anything about this, they don't happen all time. They come in at different times, and you got to do intros, outros, make sure it sounds good. They do a wonderful job behind the scenes of making this show sound somewhat professional. So, um, very happy to be a part of that. And again, as I mentioned earlier. 
cannot do the show without our, our, our you know, the people that support us, um, our contributors weekly and, and what they do each week. And of course, all of our friends over at the rope trainer.com. One, one more thing on the, on the social media, if you want to sure. get the notifications where it actually buzzes you on your phone, mm. where you actually get the notification. If you follow us on Twitter, there's going to be a little bell button on our profile. Click that bell button. You'll, you'll get a notification from us and then you'll see our tweets and then you can jump into the conversation because we want to make this a, a huge conversation, make sure that we get it, all, get it all right. On Facebook, if you click the follow button on our profile, you'll be able to see our stuff when it hops up on, on your news feed. So it'll be the first one that's up on that news feed. So we hope that you do that and uh, we look forward to it. So, Well, uh, good stuff. And again, that's how you earn your money around here, by being the social media genius that you are. Because <laughs> I am not. Um, so, uh, again, wanted to get to this today as I'm excited about it. Before, you know, obviously we'll have our, you know, we'll have our um, wonderful contributors. Uh, while this guy is, um, is a co-host of mine, I, contr- I consider him no different than most other contributors. Um, does a great job in the world of baseball. And if, you know, for those of our listeners, and there are a lot of them that are here local and that have, have followed you before that are now listening to the show, um, if you've ever been around Spiker, you would see the job he does and, and the passion that he does it, the genuineness of that he does it. Um, and I thought it'd be really cool to ask him some questions about tryouts off the cuff. Um, you know, we're in that time of year. Like I mentioned earlier, we did the show where we were talking about school ball. So now they're doing tryouts for what would be, again, termed travel select, uh, um, you know, summer ball, whatever you might want to call it. But there is a difference between program baseball and school ball. I have my opinion of what it is. So I'm going to put Spiker on the, on the spot here and say, what would, you know, you give me your opinion, Spiker. What is the main difference between playing for your school and playing for a program? Summer is the best of the best. It is the best from all areas and you play with the most elite competition and then you travel the country. That's the best way to describe it. Now, does everybody have to fall into that category? I mean, you know, we know, unfortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, we know that there's other people out there going, well, I know my kid's not the best of the best. Does that mean they're out? No, that does not mean that they're out. Um, they, there's, there's plenty of clubs out there. Um, but again, it's you're trying out, and you're not restricted to areas where you and I are very familiar with Legion baseball. Um, in St. Louis, we have Slaba, where it's restricted to a certain area. Where with club baseball, an example with the Rawlings Tigers, um, it's it's from a, a mass area. So we got we have kids from Springfield, Missouri. We have kids from Kansas City. We've actually had a kid from Kentucky drive all the way up. Well. As as a as a parent is sitting here listening to this, they've got let me give you a scenario. They've got a ten year old kid. They have no idea how good he is or isn't. To this point, he's played on his local uh, he's played on his local uh, rec team, and the parents are going. You know, he wants to. You know, he seems to be one of the better players on his rec team. Uh, he, you know, I always love this too because you never know if this is true or not. He wants more. Yeah, now does the kid want more, the kid want more? I mean, you never know about these things, but I get it because I've been there. Um, you know, w- what's it like for that 10-year-old coming to a tryout? Like, what can they expect? You know, when I do tryouts and I have the little guys, 
I try to make them feel as comfortable as they possibly can. Because when you first get them, I had I had 11 year olds the other day, and they're coming in and they're like super quiet, super shy. And then I just pick out I just pick out one of the kids and I talk about a shirt. I'm like, that's an awesome shirt, man. Like I love it. It was like refuse defeat something something like Nike made or something like that. But um, the kids just started laughing and they started having fun and they started relaxing a little bit. So um, for for the, for the little guys, I, I would say, you know what? Go to as many tryouts as you can because it's free. Like you, you don't know what your competition level is if you stick on um, on your same team or same league. Really try to test the waters, and then you'll you'll end up finding out where 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 your player places. You know, I, I guess for me, I look at it as um, if I looked at it from the parent point of view. I, I guess what I would want for my kid would be for him to learn the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. I'd want him maybe to to learn how to um, be around other kids. It's that social aspect of the game. Is the coach going to be good for my kid? And I don't just mean in the baseball capacity. What would be the best way for a parent to know that going in? Is it just sheer research the club? Yeah, it's it's actually going out and providing action and going to the tryouts. That's the worst. The worst thing is when you sit behind the computer or you sit at home and you kind of just wonder. It's it's actually going to all the tryouts, and I and I encourage players to go to as many as they can. I'm I I wear orange and black. Those are my colors, but. When it comes down to the player, I want the best opportunity for the player. I want him to have the best experience possible. Is it with the Tigers? I don't know. Is it with somebody else? Who knows? I just want them to get to as many trials as they can, and then they can they can kind of vet the process, and the p- parents can vet the process and really figure out is this coach this is the attitude is his attitude and his beliefs the same, and and they correlate with my beliefs. Well, here's a question. Do you think that the quote-unquote tryouts have become just matter-of-fact and norm, whereas and let, me, let, me, let, me, here, let me preface this question by saying what I have kind of felt over the years, being a guy that's in it. You know, my son is going to college now, so he's going to be 19. So I go back to when he was 8, so 11 years ago. Tryouts felt stressful to me back then, Okay. Here, 11 years later, and I just don't know if maybe I'm just more in that side of it now, they just seem kind of whatever now. Like, I'll give you an example. I saw a kid try out yesterday for a team, and he drove an hour and a half. And I was talking to the dad, and I said, man, uh, you know, he drove an hour and a half for a 30-minute private tryout. And he goes, oh, yeah, but, you know, we're made the best of it. You know, we're going to try out with all the local clubs, you know, and hopefully he makes one of them. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, this 14-year-old kid that's going to be a freshman in high school is going to spend his day going from one facility to another and working out in front of a couple coaches, all in hopes that one of them will say, we have a spot for you. I mean, and it just seemed so matter-of-fact. Whereas I remember, and I haven't really been through it because I, I thought I could do be a tryout guy every year. And I realized real quickly I couldn't do it. As a man, I couldn't mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. I'm, not even, I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I just thought it's just not for me. I'm going to live with what I have, and when kids quit, I'll or kids leave, I'll replace them by having some private trials. But no way, shape, or form could every year I look at my ten kids and say, "You guys got to try out for next year again." I just couldn't do it. But I, I, it just seemed so comfortable and matter of fact that I started, you know, thinking to myself, the things that I've seen the last couple of years, 
it's just what people do. It's like, you know, I, I remember hearing somebody say, you know, and, and you know these teams if you're local here in St. Louis. Well, we got prospect tryouts this weekend. We got Tigers prospects. We got Pirates train. We got gamers. You know, uh, I, and the ones kind of overlap. I don't know how we're going to make them both. And it's like I go, well, what do you do if, like, you go to the first one and they offer you? They're like, oh, well, you know, no, you go to all of them, and then you see what they offer you. And if it's, and mm-hmm. I'm, like, going, holy cow, what are we doing? You know, yeah. it's like, Wow. Well, think about when... It's like a safety school. Well, I really want to play for this club, but this is my safety club. And I guess, you know, it's like, oh, man. It's almost like applying for colleges, I feel like, at times. But, um, again, when, when we're... I mean, back back 10 years ago, there wasn't that many clubs here in the St. Louis area. There was yeah. only a matter of, what, three? Yeah. I mean, um, and now there's how there's many? a bunch, yeah. There's a bunch, and they all happen in a matter of... Two weeks, a two-week window. Everybody's trying to go first too. That's oh nice. yeah, I, they get we we always here. make the joke. We always make the joke. Next thing you know, we're gonna be in we're gonna be in February and we're gonna yeah. start having tryouts. So. Yeah. No, I. Okay, so I know younger kids are different. So if it's a if it's a younger kid, let's say, and they do, they have seven-year-old teams. So if it, let's say it's between seven and twelve, okay? okay. What are you looking for in a kid between seven and twelve? I mean, you know. I, I'm going to get I'm going to state the obvious. There are obvious kids at 7 or 12 that are just na- that are just better. Mm-hmm. You see them. They're physically and athletically gifted at a young age and and it's those are no-brainer type kids. So let's let's disregard them. Let's talk about the majority of the kids. What are you looking for in a kid that's not that no-brainer? Can he catch and can he throw? <laughs> That's that. I mean, that. Well, you got to be able to do those. Yeah, things. It's, it's that simple. But also, uh, the the biggest takeaway you can real when you walk onto the field and you see your tryouts, and you see them out there, the guy that has his um, his belt on, his jersey tucked in, he um, his key, his cleats are clean. Um, he if he has high socks or low so- or high pants or low pants, does he does he look the part? And then is his hat. Um, on correctly, that is a real indicator. If like that, if that's a ball player, I remember we we did the. I was I was with the eleven year olds and I saw saw one of the players and I was like that kid can play. I never saw him throw. I never saw him catch. I never saw him hit or run. And I was completely right because the kid could absolutely flat out play. He had speed. He had an arm. Um, he, he provided effort whenever he did miss a baseball, cause that will happen. Don't stress out if you miss a baseball. Um, he tried to make the play even when he missed it and he tried to beat everyone to the next spot. So when we were going through our stations, you go, you know, outfield, then you go to infield and then you go run. He beat every player to that spot. So I knew that way before in advance because just of how he, he wore his uniform. Well, um, you know, some kids, and this is where I think it's hard on parents. Some kids just aren't that way at that age. And there's yeah. nothing you can do to make them that way. Like, there's the, there's the hard part for me, is I think some parents think you can make your kids something they're not at a young age. You can't. No. So you got to stop mm-hmm. with that. But Playing, you, can, you can put them in a good uniform, yes, though. Yes, you can. And what you guys teach them you hope has an effect on them and their growth. Yep. So that's why I do think that's important. But to think that you can make a kid, you know, something he's not overnight is not going to happen. No. That's why 
though, to, to the point just made. It is important who you put your kids with and how you do it. Again, you guys do a great job. You guys do a color system for levels of play. Now, there's the other thing. A lot of people, and, and I'm going to assume you, like me, take offense to this term. A lot of people call it money grab. Oh, God, I hate that They term. call it money grab. Um, it's a very easy thing. And let me tell you, if, you, if you're like money grab, what are you talking about? Or maybe you are the person that throws this term around. Let me tell you what a money grab is. A money grab is when you knowingly just take money to take money. Now, here's the deal, and here's where I struggle with that term. A baseball club is a business, but it is a business typically ran by guys that love to teach the game of baseball, and they're trying to give opportunity. The problem is, is you have to define that opportunity. So I say to you this, and I'm, and I'm asking you, I'm hoping that you're out there, you people that, uh, that and again, we, I know you're out there because you, you disagree with me sometimes on things and you send it in. So please do in this instance. The money grab is putting kids in a very poor position and just taking their money. The way that a lot of clubs do it, and, and the Rawlings Tigers are a great example, you guys don't just take money from kids and then set them in positions to fail. You guys provide probably 90% of the time or 99% of the time you have enough kids to form teams based on ability that are going to play like teams of that ability. Mm -hmm. That's why I've never understood the money grab term, because for me, if you say, okay, you want to do this, we have a team for people of your current skill level, and it's going to be coached and we're going to try to help you get better. And we're going to try to help you do this. You're going to play on the white team, which is the lowest level, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's your single A, double A sure. events. What's wrong with that? They, th- I've never understood that. They just want to play. So you get some people out there that know enough to be dangerous and say, "Well, they're never going to be a great player, so you're just taking their money." So let me. So my question back to them is, okay, so because you've decided at nine or ten or eleven or twelve that this kid is never going to be a great player, that he shouldn't be able to do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Basically, in an arena that has been created for him to do just that. That's why we have the different classifications in baseball. Your thoughts? It, it, yeah, it's... And I, I, I do struggle. There's a lot of great organizations out here in St. Louis. That, that's why I love the landscape here. It's unbelievable. Sometimes I think it's almost the mecca of youth baseball at times just because there's so many clubs here in St. Louis. And... um I really don't like that money grab term because we work extremely hard on trying to provide the best resources for our players. So do other programs. So when we talk about um, the different levels, player, why are you in the game? That's the first question. And why do you want your son or, or, or softball terms, daughter, to, to play the game? For us, if 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 U Triple S A allows single A and double A events, we want a team in that in that tournament because we know how much joy the game brings. We know how many life lessons the game will will teach teach our kids, and it, it's a way of of having a community. So when we when we look at players, it's not all about the skills. Yes, skills are nice. I mean, when you get up to the upper levels, you have to talk about arm strength, speed, hitting, all, all the, all those, all those. But we look for the intangibles. Are we look, we're looking for the effort. Is the effort there? Does he want to get better? Does is he is he passionate about the game? If he's not passionate, then 
why are you playing the game? And if there's a player that has a below average arm, below average speed, and can't hit, but absolutely loves the game and will learn as much as he possibly can, we're going to take that kid. I mean, we we do it at the 15U age group. We have kids that we we brought on to the 15U level that that struggled, and now they they made their freshman team. They're playing as hard as they possibly can. And they say, you know what? Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the chance. And is he going to play past his 15-year year? We don't know. We have tryouts for 16. He still has to make that team right? in 17 and 18. You know, again, I don't, I don't understand why the whole – I mean, it's almost an elitist feeling of, well, he's not as good as the best, so he shouldn't play. Or, I love this one too, well, that's what rec league's for. For players like him and I'm like you're talking about a kid and a kid that just wants to try to get better again I've said this a thousand times over okay why in the world is it wrong for a kid even if he's not as good as the other kids to want to go devote his time to get better now what is better I why is that defined by what you think better is this kid just wants to get good enough to be as good as he I always say this is my term okay as good as he can be, and that will have to be good enough for them. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. You know, I don't, I, I guess if I'm going to go, and again, I've said it a hundred times over, I have no problem subjecting my own kid to tryouts and live and, and live with, with what comes. But if you have unrealistic expectations, that's one thing. But if you go into it with the opinion of, look, I don't, I don't have any unreal expectations here. My son wants to play. He wants to play in a competitive level. He wants to be as good as he can be. And I want to put him around good people that are going to help him get better. I, I don't understand why that's wrong. I, I, have the, I have the issue with people that try to write the story for everybody else. Right. That's where it gets down. And kind of quoting CJ here from our previous episode, he, he has a quote, a really good quote, and I'll, I'll read it to you right now. And it is, you are the author and the illustrator of your story, so stop letting anybody pick up the pen and start writing. Yes. The, that, and when you're talking about a player that is, that's below average on all scales and he still wants to play, you can't write that story for him. If he wants to play, I mean, and we see that effort, we're going to try to find a team for him. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'll go for it. Okay. Number one, give me, give me the conversation. I'm gonna. We're gonna go through three conversations here. Okay. Uh, first off, give me the conversation that you have with the family, where you know the kid is the kid can play. You know, I, I'm not saying he's the no-brainer. That conversation's easy. Mm-hmm. The kid that can play. I mean, you're taking him. He can play. He he's probably a borderline. He may not be on the top team, but he's definitely on the second team, and he's just he, he's good player. Needs some work. What's that conversation like with the parents and the kid when you when you offer him? Yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, we think that Johnny has is very talented. There are some things that he he is struggling with on on um, X and Y, but we do see this one tool that we're very excited about, and we think that he has an opportunity. Um, we're going to offer you 15 orange. We, we, we really want to start developing them. Um, our winter training starts in uh, the end of October and it'll end um, in January leading up to his tryouts for the high school season. Um, we think that he'll, he, he'll, he'll do very well. 
We think he's very passionate. Um, we like to we like to offer him the 15U Orange. Okay. Now let's go to the kid that, um, you know, he's not. Yeah, you know, he's going to be on a lower level team. He's going to be on your your lowest level team, and you're going to offer them a spot. Okay. What's that conversation like? Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, we really like Johnny. We think that he's very passionate about it. We, there, are some th- there are some struggles here. We see that he's below average here, 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 and here from our previous tryouts. Um, we do think that he, he does have an opportunity um, to make the freshman team, and we do see, that him, to see him possibly um, going forward. One thing that we're very excited about is that his effort level and his passion is there for the game. Now, do we know where he's going to end up at the end of it? No but we would like him to be a part of the Tigers um, because we love his attitude. Well, Spiker, um, you know, my son really wants to play for this team, but, um, you know, we were kind of hoping, you know, he might play a little bit higher level. Uh, I know, it, but, again, we, we see that, the, that this team, this roster is, is right there. Um, again, how we set up our rosters is that we have a depth chart. We took the best. 70 players from the tryout. We had 150 come out. Um, we were giving him an opportunity. We think that he will um, be very successful. And then when the 16U tryouts come out next season, um, we'll, we'll, we can see we can re- readdress that um, that so, roster. So you think if he plays for you this year, he'll he'll get better and play for the top team next year? I am very confident in our staff, and I, I don't I don't I can't say that he'll be on the top team. Um, I could see that him possibly moving up. But, again, it's all about his passion and his effort towards the game of baseball. I'm very confident in our staff, and I think that he can devote himself and he has a good resources around his, uh, his playing ability. Well, can you guarantee me he's going to get better? I, can, I, I can't guarantee you that because you have, we're, we're just one piece of the puzzle, and our staff is very dedicated. They'll, they'll spend as much time as they possibly can, um, and if they need to stay late and help them out on, on certain things. We, we can help them out, say if it's hitting or fielding or pitching. Okay, that's good. Um, and, again, that's, that conversation's probably the norm. I would say that's probably the one you have most often. Yes. The, 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 the easy ones are the no-brainers. Hey, well, I take that back. We're gonna, we're, I'm going to double back to that one. But let's, let's keep going in the direction. I'm, I am going to come the, back to the, the no-brainer. Hard, the, hardest, the hardest part is when um, – a parent is wanting to go to the top level team. Well, yeah, and it's it's trying to give them. Sometimes I'll even pull out the. You data. mean the kid that's close but not there yet? Not there yet. Where I have to pull out the data and yeah. really tell yeah. them, okay, this is where he we ranked him. Again, the tryout process is not perfect. We only sure. saw him for one day. Sure, sure, yeah. So you're going to get a better. F- and that's what I always. That, that's what I'm always looking for. Is like, listen, we saw him for two days. This is where we see him. The the real proof in the pudding is going to be when we see him. In the off, see that's the thing. This is an off season thing. You get better in the off season. Yeah. I I'm going to learn a lot about a kid. When if if you know, I, I you hear it all the time from the good ones. I can see who's who's working. They're mm-hmm. in here all the time. I'll tell you a good story. We had a player that's an that was the NAIA um, co- for his conference. He was the freshman freshman of the year. He almost knocked on the door for the actual MVP. But he was on our lower-level team his freshman year and ended up getting on our top-level team 17-year year. And his parents never asked, oh, if he does this, will he get on the top-level yeah. team? He took it on himself, and yeah. he was in there every single day. I was like, hey, Kenny, how's it going? 
He's like, oh, hey, Spike. And then the next day, same thing. He was yeah. always there. Yeah. It's funny. At Rick's place, whenever I go over there, it seems like I see the same kids over there all the time. Yeah. It's not by coincidence, I guarantee you, because these are kids that are closer to there and some of them drive. And Rick and, knows and the all, guys that are successful. And all of a sudden, you know, those are the kids you're seeing tweets. You know, Fogarty's going to Notre Dame. Burns going to Indiana. These kids are there every day working. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the tough one. Uh, there's two tough ones. I'm going to double back to the okay. one I should have started with. Actually, I think it'll be a good finish. But this one's a tough one. You just can't take them. I mean, there's just not enough there. What's that conversation like? So does the parent call me or? Well, I don't know. I mean, either way, if you have to have a conversation with somebody and you don't have a spot for their son, how does that go? So usually how this how this scenario works is that um, with, with the Tigers, we only call the people that we, we are offering. Oh, okay. Now, we do have parents. I, I do have parents that call me um, about their player and they sit or their son and they ask, well, um, why, why didn't he make the roster? So then what I do is I go straight into the data and I say, okay, this is what he needs to work on. This is what we saw with all of our tryouts this year and previous years. And here's the data. Um, I could see he needs to get his, his arm a little bit better. His footwork is very, very heavy. He needs to get softer with his feet and he needs to run a better 60 time. He's running, he's running an 8.5 60 for all the listeners. Uh, on on the 60 yard dash for the freshman level we're looking for a seven flat to a seven five for that i mean that's that's pretty good that's that's fast um again if you're slow you got to have that extra tool which um again if if you're throwing 80 and you throw and you run a seven seven nine or a 10 flat 60 i mean that's that's irrelative because you have a really good arm yeah, I understand that, Coach Helms. But um, you know, you kept Johnny, and my boy played with Johnny last year. And here, and my boy outhit him by a hundred points. He doesn't work hard. He doesn't come to all the practices. They're more concerned with going to like. You kept him, and my kid. Da 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 da. da. I'm sorry. It was, it's the trial process is not perfect. We had one day to look at the players. Um, we end up going with Johnny. Um, I, I do recommend that you guys come out for the next tryout because we love to we love to reevaluate and possibly see um, where where your son lies. Yeah, that's a tough one because that's, you know I mean it, it is it, it, it is it, a listen, tough one. It, I'm sure. Listen, I, I understand. It's like anything in life. The more you do it, I mean, you, I'm not saying that you're that it's it's something you become immune to, but it's part of it, and you kind of have to deal with it right it's like everything in life sooner or later you got to deal with it even if it's not fun this one here is the interesting one um where you offer a kid and he's a stud he's the dude Mm -hmm. but so is everybody else and you get this call all right so you know um you know my son is uh you know he's 80 mile an hour freshman we're gonna pick a club here that, you know, we went we went to the gamers, we went to the tigers, we went to the pirates, we went to the prospects. You know why you got you know, you know, we, we want the best. How do you handle that kid? I don't even want you to give me the why Rawlings Tigers because listen, you got every one of your clubs are great. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. That's not what I mean. How do you handle that kid? That once that that almost is treating us like he's a free agent. Is that frustrating? It's a red flag. It's definitely a red flag. Um, again, we we want the player um, just to see to see how he acts throughout the year. 
Um, but again, we've we've asked players, um, we haven't asked players back sometimes because of their attitude, and we've lost a lot of good play- like there's been some players that are really good like they're throwing 85 as a freshman and he's just throwing his stuff all over the place and cursing up a storm and we've already tried to address the situation during the year and actually sat him down sat his parents down and then they they it, nothing's corrected and we've actually parted ways on that like we're very we're very serious about our culture we're very serious about um making sure that it's a positive atmosphere because again when you're around somebody that's very talented and they're not the right attitude it puts everyone else down it's like it's like dating that girl that's that's just a absolute smoke show right but has that like yeah that stigma about her and like you know what i'm i'm good i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna go over here yeah you stay right there yeah i i would think my you know i and maybe that you know I, I don't know maybe this is unrealistic but i would think any one of you guys, you guys, any one of the programs that I know, I, I think I would be inclined that if somebody said, why you guys, I would, say, I would look at them and say, did you, I mean, did you not do your homework? What do you mean, why us? If you don't want to play for us and, and, and what we bring, well, then I suggest you go somewhere else. I, what, what do you mean, why us? Yeah. We're offering you an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. You either want to be here or you don't. And if you don't, I don't want you here. That I'm sorry, but and I know it's not like that everywhere. That's like asking a college, like so division twos. So you ask like a, if you're getting recruited by a division two, you have UCM, Lindenwood, um, um, uh, let's think about another D two, McKendry, and you end up saying why us to them? Oh boy, that your scholarship's revoked. You're not getting anything. We don't even want you as a preferred walk on. But again, like we want players that want to be there we want player we want families that are just genuinely happy about being a part of a program and that's the same thing with any other club like any other club is the same way is that they want they want players that are willing to wanting that they they have a craving and a desire to be great and want to excel yeah you know i this I, I had a guy say something to me the other day, and I thought this was interesting. There's a, you know, th- and, and I, this scenario is what it is, but, you know, he just said, you know, this this kid wants to play for us, and he's a good player. You know, Jim, I'm just curious. I mean, I know you know all the different clubs. I know you know all the different people, but, you know, this guy's played for them all. Oh, boy. There's the guy's like, am I crazy or is that a red flag? And I said, it's more than a red flag. It's diver down. I mean, it's. It is SOS. Well, I the, say this all the time to people, man. I'm sorry. And, and again, this, you may be listening to this show, but if you're that guy that's been on four different teams in four years, you need to go look in the mirror because there's the common denominator. The clubs are still there. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and again, I say this about all the clubs in St. Louis. When somebody badmouths the Rawlings Tigers or the Gamers or the Pirates or the Prospects, if you're not smart enough to know that <laughs> I'm sorry, but those are just typically situations that when all things end badly or they wouldn't end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm just, I have no interest in it. You know, again, you have to make decisions on, on what you hear, but you also got to be realistic, mm-hmm. you know, and I've seen a lot of people complain. I've seen it and I'm sorry. Their kids just aren't at that level. And yet they do the most complaining. 
my, my thinking is always long-term. I always think sure. long-term rather than short-term. So if that player had, let's just say hypothetically, that the freshman is throwing 85 miles an hour and he runs an under 760, that's elite level status, that's SEC type of material, and he, he's, on a, he's on a great projection. But if I, if I get a phone call like that or if I have a conversation along those lines, I know that that player is not going to progress and he's going to go downhill. He's on the downswing rather than the upswing. I would actually rather have the player that is floating at 78 miles an hour and is running a 7-2, who's a shortstop and has okay, okay power. That kid, and he has an attitude of being selfless. Uh, his ego's not getting in the way. He's very humble. He's like, you know what? I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Um, I do have a couple offers from other clubs. Um, I'm going to make my decision here shortly. I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity. Click. I know that I have to work my tail off to get that kid back on the phone and try to get him to be a Rawlings Tiger because I know that he's on the upswing and I just want to be a part of the ride. Yeah, you know, people can say that, um, you know, people can say that, uh, you know, I hate to, what, what's the word I'm looking for? People can say that kids aren't appreciative sometimes. I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I also believe that, fortunately or unfortunately, a lot of times it's hard to, as, as an adult, mm-hmm. to lay it all on the kid because a lot of this is fueled by parents. But sometimes, man, you got to ask yourself, what am I bringing in my house? So if you're out there and you're that guy, I mean, just, I always say, man, I, what is, what, whatever happened to being overly humble? I mean, it's, it's a trait. It is. Well, you, you know, know, I love social media, right? Oh yeah, I know. But it's, it, it it's killing that humble humbleness. It really is. It yeah, really is. I mean, it's a, it's a tough thing, man. I'm trying to figure out, you know, where, where, where everybody fits in all this thing. But, but I know you do a good job. You know, your, your reputation is really clean in this. And, you know, your, your, your counterparts, competitors, if you will, mm. speak highly of you and, and, and how you handle your business. And, you know, there's something to be said for that. I've said it once. I'll say it again. If you're going to be that guy, then you better own what comes your way afterwards. I would prefer to try to be a guy that can say, listen, I just did the best I could. I didn't lie to people. I tried to be honest about everything. It, it, that'll go a lot further in the long run. But you do a great job, man. You I really appreciate do. it. Thanks, you really Carl. do. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, some of that, and, and hopefully some of it applied to you. Uh, everybody's situation is different, as we mentioned. Um, I would like to believe that, that it helps. Uh, the one thing I was going to mention that I want everybody to remember, and this is something that I've seen and lived with, and, um, you know, and Spiker, you can jump in on this. The, the one thing that I'll try to caution and remind everybody, the difference between school ball and, and summer ball, travel ball, select ball, try to remember this, folks. When it comes to school ball, it's coached by guys that are really charged with one thing, winning, building a program. Whether you like that or not, that, that high school baseball coach is trying to win a baseball game. Okay. Now maybe the freshman and the sophomore level and the JV, they're developing those players. But if they're doing their job, they're preparing those players to play at that next level, whether it be teaching them this is how we do things, this is how you go about your business. This kid has a lot of talent, so we're going to do our best to develop him. That's how it works. So get used to it. Okay. 
So if you're going to be that guy that sits in the stands and is going to complain, complain, complain because your kid never plays, uh, you're in for a long ride. Okay, now, when you get to travel ball and select ball, this guy sitting to my right, probably at this juncture, may be responsible for, I'm going to, in my math, something you told me the other day. I'm going to see how good my math is real quick. You're probably responsible for around, just in the St. Louis area, anywhere from seven to 800 kids? Yes. Okay. That's correct. So this guy is not only responsible for developing and helping your kid win. He is responsible for seven to 800 people that have entrusted him with his kid. So when you're on a team and there are 12 kids on that team, he is committed to helping the first kid and the 12th kid. Don't forget that. You sign up for that. Okay? Why in the world would anybody say, I know my kid's the 12th kid on this team. I'm going to put him on here, knowing he's never going to play? Now, that makes zero sense. If you go into the season thinking, well, why is that kid playing? Then, you're, then, then you have no business being there because that's unrealistic. This is not high school. They do not play the best nine every game. Get used to it. It is the way of the world. I, great article, and I know you and I said we're going to do a show on this. At the youth level, are we doing our kids a disservice by having 10 kids on a team? Should we have 12? Should they take turns sitting and be prepared? Because I've said it once, I'll say it again. You want to see people lose their minds, go to the first freshman game at a high school. Go to the first freshman game, at a, at a, at a good, especially a good high school team. Mm-hmm. You've got anywhere from depending on how many kids you got, anywhere from five to 10 cents a parent ready to lose their mind. Well, when you have 14 players on a roster. Well, it's... if you've got 20. Oh, gosh. You've got 10 sets of parents, 11 sets of parents that have for probably seven years traped all over the place and watched their kid play every game. And now all of a sudden, probably one of the better players on his team, now all of a sudden they can't play. It is different. But when you play program ball, it costs money. Things are not free. These guys work. This is what they do. So you pay for it. It is their job to help the kid that is the least talented on the roster all the way up to the top talented player on the roster. Your evaluation of them should be, what do they do to help my son and the environment they provide? That's how you evaluate them. Not whether or not you win. Not whether or not they bench the kids that are no good. That's not how it works. Now, I do understand that eventually you earn your playing time, and everybody goes through that at some juncture. But try to remember that when you play for a quality program, be proud of the fact that they are committed to helping every kid, not just your own. That's what you should be looking at, but most people do not. It's not even the skills. Like, yes, yeah, skills are important, development important, make sure that the physical skills are there to make sure they're developing. But even the life lessons, like there's, I, just thinking about the team that I'm coaching right now, there's been so many situations where the only thing, the only time that I really get riled up is when the attitude is not there, and we got to figure out that attitude real quick, and as a, as a as a whole. So when you're when you're trying to find a club and you're going to these tryouts, that's another thing to look at is are they are they going to give me are they going to teach my kid. Um, the right morals, the the right attitude on how to approach um, a game, because then again, the game's going to leave all these kids at some point, and then they're going to be stuck out on the real world. And how are they? How do they approach the real world? And I think the game is a great, great correlation to the real world when it comes to that. Yeah. It, again, it's 
it's all part of the why, why are you doing this? What's your end game? Are you realistic? I mean, those are those are tough things as parents and, and, and as coaches and, and players in general to, to live with every day. And you do a great job. That's Thank why you. I wanted to wanted to hear that. Thank and you. I know you're knee deep in it right now, so you'd be fresh. <laughs> Uh, knee deep in it. The uh, the guy that's knee deep in it, no different than you, is our man Kurt McNabb with uh, mm-hmm. Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and he does do a great job with the Rope Report each and every week. And again, we thank the people at theropetrainer.com for their continued support. Uh, make sure you check out the rope today. If you want to learn more about how to use the rope and what you should be doing with it, now's the time to open your ears and pay attention. Take it away, Kurt. What's up, all you Dirtbag Baseball Nation followers and members of the Rope Trainer Revolution? I hope you all had a great week of baseball. I want to take a moment to say thank you for the support and positive comments we've received in regards to what we're trying to do here on the Rope Report. I've had so much great feedback, great stories, and well-thought-out questions asked from coaches, parents, and players alike over the last month that I know we're on the right track here. This is why Earl and his team at the Rope Trainer and I joined forces and started the Rope Report. We are and want to be your arm care specialist since that is our area of expertise as well as our number one mission, vision, and goal every day. We want to educate you and teach you how to use your entire body in order to take undue stress off your arm during your throwing motion. Now, I'm sure most of you listening are all fired up and excited about the non-trade, uh, non-waiver trade deadline and what your favorite team has already done or hoping they will do before July 31st. Over the last week, we've seen some more big pitchers like Kershaw go down with arm issues like we've seen with other pitchers all season long. These are troubling issues for teams, management, and fans alike because they, like they say, pitching and defense ultimately wins championships at all levels. I bring this up because the game of baseball needs healthy arms and bodies at all ages in order to be fun and rewarding to play or watch. Last week, I spoke about focusing on the dime when throwing and or pitching. This week, I'd like to talk about what a power angle is and how to create a natural, repetitive power angle for your pitching mechanics to be able to hit the dime. A power angle is exactly what it sounds like. It's your body creating what I call a positive power angle directly to and through the dime. Most coaches will teach you to stay tall and back on your back leg, get to a balance position, and this is wrong. Once you lift your stride foot off the ground, you are in motion and need to stay in motion to create a naturally powerful pitch with the least amount of stress on your arm and body as possible. If you lift your stride foot and try to stay back and balance over your back leg and then fire to the plate of the dime, your mechanics actually break down because your kinetic chain of events don't work consistently. They just don't have the opportunity to. The end result is you end up Manipulating your arm motion, and you definitely don't want to do this. Staying back and then firing is like driving a car with the brakes on. You got one foot on the accelerator and one foot's on the brake. Think about it. Pitching mound is designed with a downward slope to the plate already. So as soon as you lift your left your your stride foot, you have already started to create a natural power power angle with your body to the dime. You need to simply keep in positive motion or acceleration to the dime naturally every time, and your body's going to learn over repetitive times of doing it how to fire to the best and most natural potential. If you lift and go directly to the dime with your stride foot, front knee, hip, 
shoulder and eyes, then your throwing arm has to follow along for the ride, and you release the ball with your middle finger to going directly to the dime, since it's the last point of contact with the ball. If you stride offline from the dime, then you have to manipulate your arm and middle finger in order to throw the ball to the dime, which will result in a loss of velocity, loss of accuracy, but most importantly, will increase the level of stress being created on your arm, leading to arm soreness and ultimately an injury if you continue to pitch like this. If you don't believe me, then try doing both methods for yourself and feel the difference. Better yet, if you want to discuss this in more detail in order to better understand what I'm talking about, please contact me at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. I love talking pitching and throwing because it's the greatest feeling when I ask the players I work with, how's your arm feeling? And they reply with, never better, coach. I'm Kirk McNabb of Dirtbag Baseball Nation, and that's all the time I have for this week's episode of The Rope Report. Before I go, just a quick reminder that you can do all the drills I talk about here on The Rope Report with The Rope Trainer anytime and anywhere. Trust me, your throwing quality will go up if you follow along with my drills and using the rope trainer, because you won't get a bunch of confusing talk and buzzwords thrown at you when you should simply be focused on learning what your body and arm needs to be doing properly, and then learning to feel when it's right or wrong. If you don't already have your own rope trainer, then go to www.theropetrainer.com to get one. And be sure to enter Dirtbag5 at checkout to let us know you heard about it here on The Rope Report. Thanks again, everyone. And keep those comments and questions coming to me at info at dirtbagbaseballnation.com. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dirtbag Baseball Nation. Until next week, hit those fields with that get dirty mentality, all you dirtbags. Good stuff as always. He's a good man. Does a great job. Great product. Great, uh, great uh, ingenuity trying to help again uh, just happy to have them on board and anything that can be done out there to help uh young people with these arm problems is, is all good in my book uh, another guy that does a tremendous amount of good for the baseball community especially young kids old kids alike uh, that's why i like what he does you can apply everything he does to whether your kids eight years old or 18 years old make sure you check out elitebaseball.tv let's hear from justin stone take it away my friend Thanks, Jim. Justin Stone here from EliteBaseball.tv coming to you with the tip of the week. And as we finish up choosing our travel teams for the next year, this is a high anxiety time for parents and players. And the majority of the time, you're going from team to team and you're probably doing multiple tryouts, but you're also finishing a season with a current team that in most cases, players would like to contribute for the next year. But as tryouts come around and bodies change from year to year, there's inevitable time period where a player ends up not making their team of choice. And this is a very difficult situation for young players that have probably never been cut from a team before, as well as parents and having to react to the hurtfulness of their child, their emotions and what they're going through, and the same emotions that also go through a parent when their child is hurt. So today I'm going to talk about some ways that you can ease this frustration, ease the emotion, and turn it spin it into a positive thing. So the first natural instinct when our child is hurt is to be angry, frustrated, and defend our child. It's human nature, we understand that. But also times where parents who think their child is always improving and doing the best and you compare them 
to what Johnny and Joey are doing on the same team, we often do so in rose-colored glasses. I do the same thing, even though my children aren't in competitive sports yet. I think that everything new that they do is great and outstanding, so I get that. However, we need to take an objective approach and try to find the positive in a situation where maybe your player didn't make the team. Are there politics involved in youth baseball? Absolutely, but let me tell you something. There's politics involved in professional baseball too. If you don't think that the first and second round picks that get a million dollars or close to it or even more are gonna get more opportunities than the 32nd round pick that's getting $10,000 to sign, you're crazy. There's politics involved in every facet of life and there's politics involved in youth baseball. If you don't like the politics of your situation, get out of it. There's multiple travel teams that aren't coached by a dad or a dad that's favoring their child or protecting their child and that's why they're coaching. If that's not a positive situation for you, find another team. That's usually the first thing that causes conflict. But if we truly have an objective situation where a player isn't good enough or skilled enough to make a certain team, let's examine the reasons why. And I'm going to give you some examples. One, are they buried at their position? We want the players to have a successful and positive environment within their travel organization and program. But if they want to play second base or third base and they're stuck and delegated to playing three or four innings of left field, is this truly what you want for your child's development? Now, being on a good team and winning is fun, but what is their contribution to that winning? And is it further their development for what they're trying to do in their baseball career down the road? If you're saying, I want, to, I want to prepare my child for the next level of baseball, that next level may be high school, maybe one day college baseball or beyond. But if they're not playing at the position that they feel like they're going to try to play at as, at an older level, are you really benefiting them or are you just in it for the winning and the trophies? And one thing I can tell you from being a former college coach, I never asked how many trophies a child won when he was 10 or 12 years old if I was recruiting a 16-year-old player. It feels real good for the moment to say, yeah, we were 52-9 and nine this year. But down the road, it doesn't mean squat in terms of your player's development and what they're going to do in the game at a higher level. So that's one thing. Two, as they get to those middle almost teen years, 11, 12, 13, bodies change. And so we have players that are sometimes smaller than their peers and they're being held back a little bit more. Goes back to again, are, is my child in a position that they can develop it? So you can spin this and be in a good way. Say, you know what? These guys are a little bit bigger and stronger than you right now. Let's control what we can control. Let's continue to work on our fundamentals and bodies are gonna all catch up and equal out for the most part one day. I was that exact same child. I was five foot when I was in sixth grade and I was five foot two when I was a freshman in high school. And I remember those sixth, seventh, and eighth grade years were frustrating to me from some other sports like football and basketball, which I really enjoyed. I just wasn't big enough or strong enough to compete. But baseball, I could, always could control my fundamentals. That's the one part of the game that I can control until my body changed. Spin it that way, control what you can control. Work on what you can work on. Finally, go someplace where somebody wants you. You're going to have multiple travel team tryouts, and there's going to be somebody on some team that's very excited to have you. That feels good. And when you get into the college recruiting process one day, I tell our players the same thing. Go where you're wanted. Go somewhere where you can contribute. Go somewhere where people are excited to have you in that environment versus being the 11th or 12th player on the team that they're looking to turn over and looking for that next player to replace you. So 
it does hurt when you first get into that situation where you, maybe you're not good enough for this team. Maybe you're not going to contribute as much as you can for this team. Rather than being resentful, rather than pointing fingers, and rather than being angry at the situation, and heaven forbid you're in front of your child and saying, that idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. That's not the way that we want to go into your child's, and I'm not telling you how to be a parent, but from the baseball perspective, not how we're going into our child's future of blaming others for a situation that may not be great for them. Let's spin it. Let's go somewhere where we're wanted. Let's continue to work and address our deficiencies from what we can control. And then down the road, sometimes when bodies change, or you get into a different political environment with a different coach, you're going to find that team that fits you. So the point here is not every team is a fit for every player. And just because your best friend plays for a team that fits them may not be the same fit for you. Find a place that is a fit for you. And until next time, this is Justin Stone from EliteBaseball.tv, and we'll see you on the field. Certainly, last but not least, is my friend and yours, Rick Strickland from the St. Louis Pirates Nation. He brings you his Blast Motion Ask Rick segment each and every week. Let's hear what they have for Rick today. Hey, Jim. Thank you for having me on the show again this week. Uh, always excited to come on the show and talk to you about and answer questions from the audience uh, about youth baseball and hopefully being able to impart some of my opinion and, and experiences on the show will be able to help some people uh, um, navigate through these uh, uh, confusing times with, with a little bit uh, more clear advice when it comes to, uh, to youth baseball. The, the question of the week this week is actually an interesting one. It is a tough one, and I've kind of seesawed back and forth on it a few times. And um, But I'll take a shot at it today. And, and, and this uh, week's question has is regarding uh, – so the question goes, hey, Coach, how would you handle one of your players hitting a home run and doing a bat flip? And how would you handle the situation against – another team uh, if, if it was done against you. Um, tough question, the fact that you have to be very careful. Remember what we're doing. We're talking about young uh, men and women uh, or young boys and girls who are playing uh, the great sport of baseball, and, and um, we just can't put ourselves in a situation where we're going to harm, you know, any one of these young, young athletes. A few years ago, we had it happen to us, and I mean, I was absolutely furious. It was a high school coach coaching his uh, his kids, and you know, a well-respected guy, in my opinion, on the baseball side. And it's fourteen you game, and he came up, and I mean, he hits his ball. It's about four hundred fifty. I won't say four fifty, but it was a impressive home run. And then he stood there and he just watched it, you know, at the plate, and slowly jogged around the field, and. Um, you know, of course, I, I looked over at the dad, and the dad didn't say anything, dropped his head in celebration of his kid running around the base, no home run. A couple hitters later, another kid came up, and he hit one. Dead center field. I mean, it's pretty. It's majestic. It's over center field. And, again, he, he sat there and looked at it. And, you know, for me, uh, at the youth age, I think the first thing kids ought to be taught, we want them to enjoy the game. And I think you enjoy the game through the process of kids on the field playing you know, competing and, you know, trying to win, trying to do well as an individual. But I think we actually don't need at the youth levels to be respect, having kids, teaching kids to disrespect the game at this point. So I think there's probably a, a process in how you kids should play, and that is just to play hard. Uh, if you earn the right later on through 
your what you accomplished at the youth levels in high school and on to college and if you get into pro ball because you're selling entertainment dollars at this point in time. I understand the bad thing, but not at the youth levels. I mean, kids aren't really good enough to be able to go out and celebrate that way. Uh, and I think it shows to me a lack of character. Now, my background a little bit is, you know, I do scout, you know, part of a player development program and, uh, with a major league club. And, you know, one of the things, if you see kids acting like, like that, people can make the, the stretch that, you know, this kid's character may be an issue just because he's doing things that really probably aren't important to his overall development and want to be seen. And, and, you know, is he really a team player when a kid acts that way? So what we try to do with our players is to make sure we don't call attention to ourselves by doing something that could be viewed negatively. You know, we want our kids hustling on and off the field wearing the uniforms right. We actually really big stickler on how they cut their hair. Not that we think that, you know, some guys will make decisions about that, but for us, if you have long hair and you have somebody coming out to watch you, maybe that person don't like boys with long hair at that point in time. Uh, and so we don't want that to be used against them. So bat flipping is at the youth levels for us is not going to be allowed. I did see a, a picture of one of my kids last week had a walk-off home run. I will talk to that young man as soon as I have an opportunity to see him, that we don't want to carry ourselves that way. Um, the only people that you're probably impressing is your friends and your um your parents at that point in time, if they allow you to do that. But when you get into this high stakes work, there's so limited uh, resources going out for college baseball at this point in time. If that's your goals and ambitions for that particular type of athlete, then we have to be very careful in how we, we present ourselves. We want to present ourselves in a business-like manner and then leave the, the bat flipping to the Jose Bautistas and the in the uh, Bryce Harpers of the world, and he should. And the reason why you leave it to them is because they are getting paid for entertainment dollars. We just don't, you know, I just don't, I'm a little bit old-fashioned that way, and I think our kids should keep their, their nose and to the ground and keep grinding and, and earn it right to, to be able to act in that manner. So uh, I will handle it accordingly, I'm sure, in our program and the kids that I, I deal with that will have some of that going on, but we'll address it right off the bat. We don't want our kids to be viewed that way. Uh, if, uh, if, for instance, they are able to go off and, and become, you know, stars and elite level players at the collegiate and professional level, then more power to them. So that's how I would answer that question. For me, it's a no-go. We're not going to do anything that we feel like will be disrespectful um, to their development process. There's a lot of state with the particular players that we have. And I just think kids need to learn how to play the game the right way before we start flipping the bats, learn how to – you know, get themselves the right cutoff area. You know, it's funny you, you, you ask me that question and then you see kids who, who don't know how to get a lead off, uh, who don't know how to get themselves in the right position on a double cut, but yet they can flip the bat. To me, that makes no sense. Learn how to play the game uh, and be the best player on the field, be the best player when it, when it comes to being evaluated by somebody other than your mom and pop and let them do the evaluation. People, real baseball people come out and say, this kid's a really good baseball player. Now, you, once you get to that point, uh, and you've got people who are seeking your services at that point in time, then you might consider backflipping. But until then, uh, I'm not a big proponent of it. Thanks again, again, Jim, for having me on the show. I can talk about this subject because it's it's uh, something that's near and dear to us as we try to teach kids how to play the game of baseball. Um, we want them to earn the right to be able to act uh, in the manner that the major league guys do. So uh, talk to you guys next week. Keep the questions coming. Great stuff as always. Um, the contributors never, ever fail to deliver. That's awesome. why they're who they are, I guess. Huh? Yeah, they're <laughs> awesome. No, happy to have them guys on each and every week. Um, 
happy to have you back for a couple of weeks. I don't uh, have to see what happens here with the upcoming schedules. But, um, you know, I was excited about doing this today because, like I said, you guys do a great job with your social media over at Rawlings Tigers and, of course, Tourney Guy. Yeah. I encourage everybody to make sure you check out the Tourney Guy. You guys are always sharing great stories, great things going on throughout the big game of baseball, things that make you go, huh, to, to quote another song, as we <laughs> talked about last week. Um, you know, so, again, I highly encourage everybody to check it out. Um, you know, again, I wanted to do that this week. It's important because it has become the norm. Tryouts have become the norm in every sport. People have become accustomed to it. It's not the thing I think it used to be where people, oh, my God, I, I think people just accept it. And and I, I struggled with that at first. I thought, man, people are never going to be able to handle this. And, boy, Brazilian, and they, they deal with it. And, man, I'm glad I'm done with it. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm not done with it. My kids are going to deal with it because if they have any aspirations and, you know, one's playing in college next year and the other one's playing in high school, you're if you're – realistic about this thing and this is what i've told them and this is why i've told them when you actually have a tryout that's a week long or two days or three days try to remember one thing no reason to be jealous because you've basically been trying out every day Mm -hmm. if you don't approach it that way you may be you may be in trouble yeah the ones that are not nervous and i've noticed this with the high school age group um the youth tryout's completely different that's that's probably my favorite trial because it's so much fun with the little guys oh yeah (laughs) because they're all nervous but um, with the high school guys, the ones that are not nervous are the ones that have been preparing for it. Yeah. So they just go about it every day. So it's nothing, you know, and again, we don't see that as parents, but that is a quality and a trait that it helps if you have it. If you understand that this is a, you, you know, we talked about the grind on the last episode mm-hmm. with CG, but that is what it is. It's a marathon. Here's a great quote. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. Darren Hendrickson, our friend at SLU uses mm-hmm. that one all the time. And I'm sure he got it from somebody else. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Do things the right way. Good things will happen for you and yours. Spiker, great job, man. Thanks, Chrome. Remember, check us out, youthbaseballtalk.com. It's our interactive website where you can listen to all the back episodes, including the current. You can also subscribe to the show there. Please follow us on Twitter. We are at Podcast Baseball. Would love for you guys to connect with us on Facebook. Simply type in Youth Baseball Talk. Make sure you check out lineupmedia.fm. The statistics tell us that you're listening to this show, which means you're a podcaster. You're probably listening to about six podcasts then. If that's the case and you have time for it, check out lineupmedia.fm. They take your entertainment time very seriously. I assure you, you will find another podcast that interests you. Uh, For Spiker Helms, I'm Jim Cromer. This is Youth Baseball Talk, and we will see you guys on the field. Tune in next week for another edition of Youth Baseball Talk. Subscribe and leave a rating and review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to the show. Find us online at youthbaseballtalk.com, facebook.com slash youthbaseballtalk, or on Twitter at Podcast Baseball. Plus, check out all of our podcasts at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.